Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Scripts, and I am your host, Lynn's Paulson. I am so excited to start season two and dive you all into the section of guests that is just new topics, new things to discuss, and new resources ultimately to provide. So I've been super excited because the first guest is none other than my best friend, who is also my maid of honor. And if you know anything about me personally, um, you know that together we're probably a little bit of trouble. But I have brought to you Miss Cortland Wagner, and today we're going to talk about her surrogacy um, journey and just about how that decision was made with her family, kind of that process for anybody who's ever been interested. And I had never had any personal experience with this, so I am so grateful for you all to be able to hear from her today. So Cortland, welcome. And for those who don't know how much trouble we are, um, tell <laughs> everyone a little bit about you, your family, and kind of how you got interested in being a surrogate. Hello. Um, my name's Cortland. I, Lindsay and I met back in high school. Um, and then we were just inseparable since the day we met. But I grew up in Berea, Kentucky, um, little town. Um, and then I went to Eastern. We went to college together. Um, met my husband uh, since we had moved to Georgetown. And then we've moved elsewhere. And now we have two kids. And... Now we're just living life like like any other good old Kentuckians. Except for the fact that you're growing human beings for other human beings. Well, that that's a little sad story, yes. Yeah. Um, so super selfless. And I I have never had a great pregnancy, and you've always been able to kind of hang back, hang tight, and just go with the flow of things. But for those who are listening who don't know about surrogacy, but like may have some interest, tell them a little bit about how you got started and kind of what that process looks like. Well, I, like everyone else in my life, knew nothing about surrogacy. I've never known a surrogate. I truly have no idea how I even became interested. Um, I got pregnant with my first, my oldest, and I just I had such an easy pregnancy and I see I had seen so many people around me, Lindsay included, who just struggled 
during pregnancy. Like it just wasn't a fun time, but I am sitting back over here, like really enjoying being pregnant. Yeah. You're like one of the (laughs) very few people as I'm like yakking my guts out. You have like your hair shiny. You could have put on high heels and yeah, you're ridiculous, but keep going. Yeah. So I had a great time being pregnant and I kind of started thinking, well, you know, this was so easy. I could probably do this 25 more times, except I'm not, I I was not in, in the mindset to have 25 kids. So I kind of started thinking, well, how could I do this again and not have to parent a hundred more kids? And so I researched surrogacy just kind of came up. And so I was started researching, um, just started reading a bunch of testimonies from other women. Um, obviously because I had never met another surrogate. I've never, um, even spoke with anybody who had anything similar. So I had to do it all online. Google was my best friend, researched, found a ton of different agencies. Um, and eventually kind of came across a bunch of things that led me to believe I should be done having my own family before I really jumped, jumped the gun and did the journey. Um, so my husband and I, we had always talked about having two kids. Um, we really hoped for a boy and a girl. And so we just, we were ready to be trying again. So we got pregnant with my son and we're like, okay, that's going to be it. You know, we, we weren't in the, in the mindset to parent more than two kids. We were really confident that that was our family. We were a family of four. So when my son was about six months old, I went ahead and submitted my application. I found a, I found an agency that was, you know, the most popular, the most, the most the one that came up the most that had the most reviews, the most testimonies from it. Um, and that's the one I went with and I submitted my application and probably, I mean, 12 hours. I don't even know if it was the next day. Um, I got a call from the agency and it was basically downhill from there. So it explained to me a little bit like what that application process looks like. So I've, I don't know if I've ever asked you that, like what information are they kind of looking for? Is it just like the regular, like run of the mill application? Um, the initial application is very basic. Um, basically, I mean, as you would think asks about your pregnancy and your medical history regarding pregnancy, um, and just kind of gets an overview of that part. Um, so the initial application is pretty basic in comparison to what you're you're putting yourself into because I mean as you can imagine it is a very invasive process and not invasive as um, not necessarily invasive it is invasive medically but invasive into your life like you are giving people not only permission to access your your medical history, but also your life, because you are about to be carrying a a child for people completely unrelated to you. Yeah. So do they like dig into like your emotional health or is it primary physical? So once you, once you pass the initial, so you'll do the initial application. 
once you, um, you know, you kind of have been accepted based on just those initial intake questions, you will go through, um, you'll do like an, a zoom type of interview. Um, and then once you've been cleared on that second round of applications, you will do a full on psyche eval. You go through like an hour's worth of um, like an exam almost. It's like a psych exam. Plus, you meet with a psychologist who's kind of going back and forth with you. Um, it's it's all been over Zoom in my experience. Um, and just kind of getting clearance psychologically because obviously this is a very heavy journey you're about to embark on. So they want to make sure that not only are you 100% prepared, but also that you understand all of the ins and outs of what the process could entail. Yeah, no, I just have like this vision of you on Zoom and your children just like running around in the background and you're just like, yeah, I can handle it. Like as they're like bouncing off the walls. Yes. That's Both of my kids, they were very involved in, I mean, my youngest, not so much, but like my oldest was very involved in all of the aspects of it. I mean, she was probably on all of the Zoom calls all together um, from start to finish. So it was a very, very invasive process. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. Um, As far as when they go through that application, so you pass your psyche eval, kind of what, what's next after that? Kind of what process happens next? So once you've been cleared, you've, you've done the psyche eval, you know, you're, you have to get medical clearance from your, you know, your normal OB or your normal practitioner. Um, And then once all of those like little boxes are checked at the beginning, then you kind of enter what's called a matching phase. Um, At that point, it's kind of like what you would envision an adoption agency being like. You, you give a list of your preferences Um, you make, you make kind of a contract. There's a whole legal process that happens a little bit later, but at the beginning, you kind of make your checklist of what you want in your contract and what you want your preferences to be, um, as the couple that you're going to carry for. So that could range from, um, religious beliefs, sexual orientation, um, location of the couple, uh, the amount of kids the couple already has, um, the amount of embryos the couple might have. Um, you can you can basically give your preferences anything you could think of. You can include. Um, so you'll you'll kind of set um, like also kind of legally what you want your contract to look like they're at the beginning before you even match. And the and these intended parents, these couples are also doing the same thing at the same time. So both of your all's preferences and, you know, just requirements that you, you feel are important to you that you wouldn't bend on um, are all going into the same pool together. Um, and then they basically just run them against each other and find a couple that has 
at least similar, if not the same preferences as you do. So it's like Tinder, but for like growing humans, like you're just putting all your preferences. That's wild Mm -hmm. to to literally grow a human and have to, but I get it. Like I would want certain, you know, preferences to meet coincide, especially for somebody who's bringing my child into this world. Right. Right. And then, so once you get into that matching process, it just like a dating website, you're going to be sent profiles and you can either, you basically can either say pass or accept. And if you decide to accept, that's great. The couple also has to choose to accept you. You have um, to like swipe right on all the things. That's exactly. crazy. And so if you both choose to accept each other, you'll do an initial meeting over Zoom typically because um, it's it's pretty rare in my experience to see um, couples and surrogates that live in the same general area. Um, I'm sure it's not unheard of, but through agencies, I think it's pretty, pretty rare. Um, so your initial meetings over Zoom and you talk. And then after that meeting, you each have a, um, a program coordinator. You each have a matching advisor. You each have these um, social workers throughout the whole process. And so you would just communicate with your coordinator and be like, hey, I really like them. I think I can move forward with them. And if they choose the same, then that's where you go next. You You've officially matched and you move on to what's called medical screening, medical clearance, which is a little bit more involved than the initial clearance from your general provider. This At this medical screening, you will be traveling and going through a full evaluation with the intended parents or the couple you've matched with, with their fertility clinic. So in my case, the couple I matched with was from New York City. Um, And so we went up to a fertility clinic in New York um, and we did a medical screening. It was a full on physical. You do a water ultrasound. Um, They do a full on lab panel of all the things you could think of. STDs, uh, illnesses. I mean, just anything you think of, they're testing you. They are looking at everything. Um, and so that you've traveled for that. And that is a lot of times when the couple and the surrogate actually meet for the first time. And in my case, that was accurate. We were able to meet the couple for the first time in person. Um, and again, in my in my situation, I was cleared medically within just like a week of that. Um, and then once you're cleared medically, you kind of begin the legal process, which really overlaps with the medical process. And through the legal process, it is, I mean, it's mind blowing the things you have to cover and think of with your lawyer, which is provided for you by the surrogacy agency. Um, what are and they saying? The, I like, mean, what are you covering? I mean, you will cover things from like what happens to the um, 
to the child if the parent, like each parent, it goes down a line of what would happen if each one of the parents were to pass or something were to happen or they were no longer able to keep the kid. Like just every situation you could think of down to if you're going to pump for the kid, if you are going to be traveling during that time frame, if you are going to be um, just any any life situation that could happen if something were to happen to the surrogate what you know what the flow of occurrences would be if you know the surrogate would stay on I mean just just genuinely anything that you could think of things that you can't even think of these lawyers have prepared and covered all of the bases um you know even down to the financial aspect of everything um it is all written in this contract I mean I think ours was like 50 to 60 pages of just information that could potentially happen, but thank heavens didn't happen. And, and one of the big things in the contract and going into the process is, you know, termination of pregnancy. Um, and that's a whole other aspect of potential occurrences, um, you know, how, how far into the pregnancy is the surrogate okay with termination? What do the intended parents, you know, how do they view it? Um, because with, you know, IVF pregnancies, those complications and those reasons for termination are a lot more prevalent. Um, and so that becomes just another whole nother conversation. So the, the legal side of it covers all of that. Um, and and they make sure that the surrogate as well as the couple are on the same page with everything. Um, and so that that not only opens up a lot of doors for communication and getting to know each other, but also just more of a comfort knowing that all of the all of the areas are covered and there's nothing, you know, outstanding that you that could come up and be an issue during the process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So you've got these lawyers, they're kind of navigating everything. You've met the couple, you've, I don't know if you swipe right or left. I've never been on a dating, but you're swiping somewhere to get something. We swiped, we swiped swiped. and we made it. Yes. So you've matched, Uh, you are good to go. Um, What, you know, after you're diving in and researching, what do you wish that people knew about Sarah's legacy that you didn't know before diving in and matching with another couple? Um, really just how, I mean, it, it's so, it's so unbelievably common for people to have issues getting pregnant. Like it's just insane how common it is and how little it's talked about. Um, And I just wish people, honestly, I just wish people knew that surrogacy was, was a route that they could take. And I I feel like a lot of people view it as like something that rich people do. Like if, if the woman doesn't want to carry the kid for whatever reason, or she can't carry the kid for whatever, but like genuinely something that like these people that have this tons of money do. And it's truly not, I mean, it is a, an investment. It is a huge, um, a huge investment for these families. But 
at the same time, um, these agencies have um, really curated a a way for people to be able to do it. They've really given a lot of opportunity for couples that may not have that rich status um, to still, you know, be able to have a surrogate and to be able to create their family in that way. Yeah. And also um, I'm sure that's like so emotionally taxing. Like you already are having to rely on another human being to be able to grow your family. So, you know, the fact that that well, guideline is there is so big. And these people, I mean, so there, there's different reasons people would need a surrogate, obviously, but, um, you know, a lot of, especially the heterosexual couples, a lot of these couples, these poor women have gone through years and years of IVF. And in my experience, my, my, um, intended mom, she, she had gone through, I want to say five different IVF journeys. Um, none of them, which were successful, obviously. And, you know, at the end of it, you know, not only have they spent all of this time, all of this money and all of this effort on trying to have a baby, they, her health is now at risk because she has spent all of this time, been on all of these different medications. Of course, you know, five or six years have gone by. She's obviously older um and it just it that didn't pan out for her and so this is kind of and i think in a lot of situations this is kind of their last resort um you know they've gotten to this point they've not been able to have a family themselves um and a lot of them have just a couple embryos left they've done these egg retrievals and they've managed to have a couple embryos and a lot of them will just put it all in the basket of a surrogate and that be their last attempt. Um, obviously there's other, other situations cause then you have your, um, you know, same sex couples that, you know, want to have a baby and, and a surrogate is kind of their only way at that point. And, and so that, that, that brings a whole different conversation. But in my experience, I carried for a heterosexual couple and, and they had just gotten to the point where they had three embryos left. Um, and two that, that then opens up a whole other door of how those embryos were created. So the couple I carried for, um, had an egg donor, um, and the, the, the intended father, um, was able to fertilize the egg. So, so it was hit, you know, his fertilization, but there was an egg donor because she was not able to produce um, viable eggs at that point. So, yeah, there's, there's just so many variables and factors. There's so many, so many. And and I had no idea about, I, I, it's just not something you think about until you're like in it. Um, and then you learn all of the different ins and outs of things. Um no, absolutely. So, I think that that is very well said. There's so many factors and variables. And until you have done all the testing and had to experience, you know, probably a fair amount of trauma, this is kind of, this is all the eggs in one basket. And so now you're trusting somebody else to do, you know, something that is great for your family, but also still 
a wild journey. Um, right. But from being on the other side of it, what emotional challenges did you face as a surrogate with that process? Um, so when you sent me this question, I really thought about it. And honestly, not a lot and not, or I shouldn't say not a lot, but not what the typical person would think would be the emotional struggle. Like when I would present that I was a surrogate, people would be like, oh, well, how are you going to give the baby up? How are you going to be able to part from the baby? And it's just such a different mentality. You know, going into it, this is not your baby. This is not any relation to me. I am basically an oven for this little thing (laughs) to cook in for the next nine to 10 months. Um, But this is not like you go into it. I I don't want to say emotionally detached, but a little bit. You're emotionally detached from the pregnancy. Like, you know, you're and and into personally when I was pregnant with my, my kids that I am obviously emotionally attached to, I was never one to be so connected to my baby while they were in utero, while that, while I was pregnant with them. I wasn't, I wasn't one to just sit there and talk to my baby. And like, that just, that's just not me. Like the second they were born, the first, you know, that first cuddle, that's when I connected to my baby. So so being so being pregnant with another person's child, obviously going into it, I am mentally prepared for that, but also I'm just not an emotionally connected pregnancy pregnant person. Um, so so the emotional aspect in that sense um, was not an issue and not even a thing. Where my journey became a little bit emotional was, the baby I was carrying. Um, was that horrific delivery that you had? Yes. So the baby I was carrying ended up having a pretty significant heart abnormality. I had to go through, from the beginning, I was seeing, a, I mean, from like 10 weeks, I was seeing a high-risk uh, maternal fetal medicine provider. Um And so I was doing ultrasounds probably every, at the beginning, it was every, you know, two to four weeks. Um, And these ultrasounds were super invasive and super long. And then by the end of it, um, it was pretty much weekly. I was having some sort of ultrasound or some sort of monitoring. And then right before I um, gave birth, I, this was bi-weekly. I mean, I think I went every other day and the ultrasounds and we were seeing a cardiac specialist, a, um, uh, I forget what they're called, but it was a cardiac specialist for infants, um, and a pediatric specialist, I guess. Um, but anyways, those ultrasounds, um, with cardiology were, oh, probably over an hour. Um, And just if you can imagine if you've been pregnant, being, you know, 30, even like 20 plus weeks pregnant and laying in a certain position for over an hour and having somebody pushing on your stomach. Nope. It was just very uncomfortable. And on top of that, you know, the intended parents, they wanted to follow very closely with the care of their child, obviously. So they were also down 
you know, came to Kentucky a lot more than than any of us anticipated. So that was a little bit more of an emotional toll because and th- this your this people pleasing tendency yes. and you wanted to host them and exactly be and, hospitable. Yes, I can totally and, you know, see that. I go and we and and this may be different for some surrogates. Some surrogates may have a different plan in mind, but you know, going into it and in, in my perspective, I wanted to help somebody create a family. I wasn't looking for best friends. Um and and the couple I was with wasn't either, but it just was a little bit more of an opportunity to spend time with each other that none of us were prepared for. And, and not in a negative way, just, I think it, it was a little bit more involved than any of us intended it to be. Um, so, so getting through that was a bit traumatic. And then the, the end of the pregnancy. So I was having all these monitoring sessions. I ended up giving birth quite early and ended up having an emergency C-section, which was super traumatic for me because I'd never had a C-section before. That was not what I was planning. Um, The parents were not here and I was also not planning that either. My husband barely made it to the C-section and it was just really hard on me in that um, I didn't do well with any of the meds I was given. So that first four to six hours from the C-section to, you know, after in recovery, I was not well. And that was probably the most emotional part of the whole thing. Baby was fine, uh, as fine as she could be. To later determine she did have a genetic condition um, that kind of caused the heart abnormality. It was something they were not able to test for in utero. so that kind of was an answer to all of the issues that we had leading up to delivery. Um, but as far as emotional aspect, I'll quit ranting. Um, not what anybody would think the emotional aspect would be. It would be more just the traumatic birth part of it well, and not being able to see the parents for the first time holding their kid like I had envisioned. Well, but a lot of that too. And for those of you who don't know Cortland, she's about a Southern hospitality, a Southern hospitality comes. So her wanting to have everyone happy and things go according to plan. It's just that of her nature. But to be fair, that could have happened. That traumatic C-section could have happened had you and your husband had a third child. So, right. yeah. I mean, that is not, I guess, surrogate specific. Um, but I, I know I, can vividly imagine your face as they said, okay, C-section. And you were just like, uh, no, thank you. Like I did. I, I said, it, the doctor comes in and is like, so did they tell you we're going to get you ready for C-section? I was like, no, they sure did not. <laughs> yeah. They absolutely left that part out. I can, I can see you in my brain with that stress. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was a little traumatic, but all was well. Well, that kind of answers to the next question as far as how do you feel that being a surrogate has has impacted your family life and will continue to impact your family life, if at all? Well, I mean, truly, it it opened my eyes to just so many different things. Um, 
in regards to IVF and pregnancies and what people struggle with. And I think it opened, you know, you know, it gave my kids something to see, you know, not every family is built the same way as our family was. And even, you know, past my immediate family, past my husband and kids, I think it opened the eyes to like, you know, my parents, our both of our parents, our siblings, um, aunts, uncles, grandparents, just to be able to see that there are other, you know, again, families are not all built the same way. There are other avenues. And then on top of that, I even have a cousin that, you know, fosters kids. And, and I think there's just a lot of eye opening and a lot of awareness, um, you know, now and even before, but now more, um, just understanding that there are, there just are more things to be aware of, to, to build families, to have these, to, for people to have successful families. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I just, I vividly remember having the conversation with you when you like, you know, I'm the biggest cheerleader in your corner and you were like, you know, talking about how you wanted to do it and all this stuff. And there are a lot of like medical things, I think in the beginning that are scary and the fear of the unknown alone isn't scary. But I feel like for most of this journey, at least you've been pretty confident, like God has called you to do this. You stepped up and said, okay. And I mean, you've not been a surrogate for one, but you've been a surrogate for multiples. So, you know, that that's a big, that's a big thing. Um, what do you feel like for you are kind of the, the biggest pros of the process? Like, what do you think as far as everything going? I'm sure the attorneys help and kind of ease your fear of that a little yes. bit. Um, just the, just being able to be a part of somebody's else, somebody else's journey and creating a family. Like my, some of my lot, biggest life achievements were those or, you know, life moments that stand out most to you were those moments where I was able to hold my babies for the first time and just building relationships with my kids and all of these special moments that I have gotten to experience as a mom um, and being able to help somebody else get to that point. Just it. I mean, that that's the whole reason I did it is to get somebody to the point that of all of these little blessings that I've been able to experience that that seals the deal for me. Um, and you know, I, I don't know, you, you read and you are taught all through your life in church that God wants you to use your talents and he wants you to share, um, these special things that he's given you. And I truly had always struggled and this probably sounds so silly. I had always struggled to like, like, well, what do I have? Like, I literally don't have any talents. Oh my gosh. Dimension. That is not silly no, okay. whatsoever. But like, and so I'm like, what can I do? Like, and this is something like I am genuinely good at being pregnant. God has blessed me with these super, I wouldn't say easy, but comfortable pregnancies, successful pregnancies. And why not share that with people? 
Yeah, that I share that with me. I'll give you my fourth kid because <laughs> I don't, I am unwell just thinking about it. Like I, I don't want to. Yeah. Um, my uterus is open. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I, I mean, I think you're great at it. And I think there's nobody better suited for that as far as that experience goes. Like I said that from the beginning, because you're not one to panic. You're not one to you know, get overwhelmed with that situation. But I'm with you about like not wanting to have 9 million children. So you don't and have to parent does, them. You can give them them back. And yes, that's the yes. end of it. And it does take, I mean, so we have this like Facebook support group with the agency of like all the surrogates together. And I'll see people posting. And I think it generally takes somebody um, who is, who is laid back and who is not super high strung um, to be a successful surrogate um, and to have a successful, happy, calm journey. Um, Because if you are somebody that does panic about every little thing, it, it, it just would, it would make it so much harder. So it it does take a, 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 good personality, free free spirit, (laughs) a very special personality to be able to do it successfully. Um, and and I do feel like I have a very calm, like I, I tend to not panic over most things. Um, and I think that really helped this process And, and especially because I had a little bit more of a challenging process than some. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, for people who are interested in becoming a surrogate, kind of what resources, I know you had mentioned Google earlier, but were there any specific resources that you would recommend looking into if somebody is interested in starting their journey or kind of looking up facts about becoming a surrogate? I mean, just research. There's like a ton of different agencies, um, different agencies in different parts of the country. Um there's just so many, so much information out there. Research what, what you're looking for, what you envision, read the testimonies from the other surrogates. And I mean, if you can get in touch with a surrogate in person, I mean, you can contact me if you want, but um, if you can get in touch with a surrogate in person, ask the nitty gritty questions. I mean, obviously if we have done a surrogacy journey, we, I say we as a collective group of surrogates, (laughs) I feel like, I feel like we're going to be very open in talking about it. Like I'm not a secretive person. I'm very open book. So like, and if you can get in touch with somebody who is that, ask them the questions you're thinking of, ask them the invasive questions because they've already been through it. There's nothing invasive to us at this point. Maybe we'll do like, well, maybe we'll do like a ask the surrogate segment and they can ask you the nitty gritty. I don't, I, I truly, I'd have to think of some good in depth. I mean, I don't know that we have very many secrets. You've seen me give birth. So point, you know, all secrets are out the door. Yes. There's there's no shame for that. There is a ton of information out there. And and the other thing I would recommend, because it was something that was important to me, be confident in the family that you have. 
um, before embarking on something as invasive as this, because not only are there more risks for the pregnancy, because it's all done via IVF, like you're taking all the meds, doing all the shots, doing um, all the things to lead up to your embryo transfer. Um, so th- not only does that put the child, the embryo at risk because of all of that, it puts you at risk. I mean, it's, it's a much riskier pregnancy, um, than just a natural, um, a natural conception. So, uh, I would always recommend that you're confident in your family. Now that's not to say 10 years down the road, you're feeling great. You just had to have another baby. Obviously being a surrogate is not the end all be all, but there are so many more risks involved. Um, just be confident in your family. Like if, if being a surrogate was to end your potential future pregnancies, would you be okay with that? Yeah, that's, that's a big mic drop and things to process. Definitely. Um, as far as kind of everything that you've experienced, um, what is one thing that you, you know, you've walked this big journey, your husband and kids have walked this big journey. What would you say that you are most grateful for? Um, obviously being able to open the eyes of friends, family, everyone around me to a new, a new avenue that. I know none of us had experienced before. Um, and just seeing everybody be so accepting of that, um, you know, cause it was kind of touch and go at the beginning. Everybody was like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm very sure. And I had talked about it for years and I genuinely, I mean, even you, I don't think anyone expected me to legitimately do it. So I think it I was didn't kind of a expect you shock. to legitimately not do it. I just thought we were kind of hanging out, waiting for all your other kids to become alive. Yeah. So I think when I actually got to the point of doing it, I was just grateful for how accepting everybody was to the whole situation and so supportive. Um, and then the other thing is just watching this family that I helped create, watching them build their relationship, you know, build their connection. They had to. They've had a lot of medical, um, I'm not going to say medical trauma, but medical challenges since the birth. So just watching them navigate that as parents um, has just been really cool to see because I've been able to see how strong they are. And then, you know, uh, the baby being able to continue to grow and just, just watching that happen and that, unfold, that whole situation unfold and knowing that I was able to help it get to that point, um, is super special. So do you get the option to, this is just me being nosy at this point, but like, yeah, so you get the option to watch baby grow from a distance afterwards, or is that like a preference you have to write down or a, a little bit of both? So, um, in the beginning and like I said earlier on, this was not a an avenue for my husband and I to make best friends. This was an avenue for me to help people start a family and not to say we were just planning on cutting ties, but there was for us that that relationship after the fact wasn't wasn't a super important thing. Um, and there are some surrogates where that is very important to them to keep continue that relationship. So I think the 
my intended parents and myself and my husband were, we were all on the same page on what we wanted. Like we didn't, we weren't going to like cut off connection, but it wasn't super important for us to be super involved in each other's lives. That wasn't a priority. We were going to help them have their baby and, you know, just see where it took us. Now it, at this point I do talk the mom and I talk, um, I would say if not weekly, every other week, um, the baby had to have a pretty major heart surgery. So we were checking in with each other. She'll send me pictures every couple weeks. Um, and she actually just had her one year old birthday last week. So we stay in touch, but not super close. Um, and not, not anything overbearing at all. No, absolutely. It is a preference, though, that you will put in um, more so in the matching phase, um, if that is something important to you. To and and that's another part of like the psyche valve that they'll ask. Um, you know, they'll touch base on is this a relationship you want to have for a super long time? Um, and so they kind of put you with a couple that has those same views on what they see for after the process. Um, so I think I think they matched us really well because we we've had very similar opinions on every stage of the journey. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Well, Cortland, thank you so much for coming and kind of explaining your journey and just filling us in. Obviously I didn't know anything about it. And I know there's a lot of people like you said, who don't really consider it as like their first option. So just kind of hearing about how the process works and it, I think it can make that fear of the unknown just a little bit better. So thank you for coming and explaining everything. And when is, when, when are we doing the surrogacy again? When, when are we well, doing it? I am actually in the beginning stages. Um, we've kind of gone back and forth. We've had just a bunch of different things, but we decided to wait till after the holidays. So we are kind of in the beginning stages of, you know, getting the con, um, the applicate, the application's already been done. I will basically go straight into matching at this point. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're slowly starting. <laughs> well, congratulations again, 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 again. So we are so happy that you were here and thank you so much yes, for thank you. telling them all and we will chat soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.